0: Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, Ryan, it has been some time since it's been you and I on the radio show. Yeah, I feel like a few months at least, man. Yeah, it's been a while. We uh yeah, a lot has happened. We've uh you know, entered a new year. It's all I guess it's already March, right? It's already yeah. almost a quarter of the way through. What uh what's going on in your life? Any updates?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, we're buying a house, moving to <laughs> Yeah. So Okay. <laughs> big step for Sarah and I and moving downtown Augusta, which is really just a sweet community. Mm. A lot of people from my church live down there, sidewalks. We can walk to their house and uh just a lot of the things we're passionate about, like our church and mm. um just down there and so we're just super excited uh to be down there
0: that's right and you're doing that is it is it so i guess we're recording this on wednesday so it's tomorrow so it's on thursday yeah, right close so very very soon yeah, yeah we knew the
1: owners it never was listed just a sweet family from our church who we knew and um yeah it was really uh, just a blessing
0: yeah that's really exciting i guess that's taking up a lot of your your thought time and thought process anything else going on
1: uh that's a lot of what's going on, my man. But you know, obviously enjoying the spring, the flowers are blooming. It just the weather's been great.
0: Obviously, yeah. people are struggling with allergies. The pollen has been incredible. I uh, had a car wash the other day and literally pulled out of the car wash, yeah. went to uh, a hair appointment, and then got out and it was yellow again. So it's yeah. like, I mean, that was lost cause. Not not helpful, but it's the way it is this time of the year. So yeah, man, it comes with the territory. For sure. But yeah, well, we're glad to have you uh, on the show today. Uh, it's going to be a good show. Um, we have a lot of interesting things we're going to be talking about. By the way, I'm, I am Matthew Travis. I'm a certified financial planner, also an advisor here at the firm. I've been here for a little, uh, just, uh, just under five years at this point. Yeah, my name is Ryan
1: Borders. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey SmartVestor Pro.
0: Yeah, we're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly show. We're uh, up exclusively every Friday uh, afternoon. You can uh, find our show on our website through moneymd.net or iTunes every Friday, and you can listen to us anywhere in the world. Uh, we have a surprising number of people who listen to us, which is we really, did. which is really encouraging. Yeah. You know, we don't, it's not the most exciting show all the time, but we have a lot of good information that people have found very helpful. So, thanks for listening. If you uh, listen to this show, and thanks for sharing it if you find it helpful. Uh, you can also check us out on our website, uh, moneymd.net, where you can link to us and ask us your questions and link to our previous shows. All right, and with that, we're gonna start with our financial fact of the week.
1: Yeah, so this is about Social Security. Um, pretty interesting stuff here, Matthew, but according to the Social Security Administration's calculations, its trust fund will be uh, will deplete circa 2035. That's kinda not too far away. Um, okay. Social Security's benefits expenditures have exceeded its revenue from payroll taxes every year since 2010. Hmm. Uh, Social security is relatively self-reliant, though, um, comparatively, in 2022, the social security program spent 8% more than it collected. Uh, You know, so for the rest of the federal budget, that figure was 34%. So something's going to have to change here, don't you think?
0: Yeah, and, and, you know, I don't know about you, Ryan, but, I mean, pretty much... Every client that we talk to either has negative views of Social Security or, hey, let's just exclude that from the plan in total. We we do know that it is frustrating um, to not have necessarily a plan going forward at this point for the government. Yeah. It's not necessarily surprising, but we do know that um, if there is no more uh, updates or changes, that the Social Security will be able to pay out uh, about 76% of the current payouts with the current payments into social security. So 2035 worst case scenario, it's 76% of the benefits and that can last indefinitely. They're definitely going to change it. Um, So it's probably going to increase from that. But for our clients that are wondering like, will it be there? Yes, there will be some benefit. Um, We just don't exactly know what it is, but that, that is a very common um, concern that we have from a lot of clients.
1: And that's why we tell clients, focus on the things you can control, how
0: you say, you
1: know, your plan, um, because there's only there's really not much you can do.
0: That's right. I mean, it's it's by law that they pull out from your income and it goes toward FICA, which is Social Security and Medicare. So you don't have an option with that. So you're right. There's really nothing that we can do besides voting. Right? We can vote for people sure. that we think will help with that. Uh, but there's there's not much we can do. So that is a great point to to focus on what we can can control in that standpoint. Absolutely. All right. Good financial fact of the week. And with that, we're going to go into our first topic. Uh, And Ryan, do you want to give the overview?
1: Yeah. So, you know, talking about houses for myself is now a good time to sell your home. So this comes from the Wall Street Journal. So, you know, the housing market still favors sellers, Matthew, but buyers are more price conscious than a year ago. Mm. um, A lot of real estate agents are saying. So, you know, if you are serious about selling your home now, don't get greedy with the asking price. You know, there's still a seller's home market as the sim- there simply aren't enough affordable homes for sale in many parts of the country. But the average thirty-year mortgage rates above six percent now. Buyers are much more price sensitive than they were a year ago. Agents and brokers say, "Hey, price. Uh, you know, price is the most important thing for sellers to worry about right now. Pricing it too high, uh, too high a year ago often didn't backfire as prices were surging broadly. You know, across the board." And, uh, you know, doing that now could scare off a lot of the buyers in a vastly different market just from, like I said, a year ago. Mm. Um, Agents and housing economists say homeowners um, trying to sell now need to accept that they are probably not going to get the same price their neighbor did Mm. last year um, when the mortgage rates were moving around, when they were moving around 3%. So, you know, interest rates are about double now.
0: Yeah, which is really hard, right? I mean, if you're trying to uh, sell, that is, it can be frustrating that the prices can come down and they weren't what they were because also because interest rates are higher, buyers are having to pay that higher price. And I know you're experiencing a little bit of that, Ryan, but that, yeah. you know, the encouragement is not, you know, to to not have a house if that's what's good for your family. It's also not to to make it a, a curse, but it's also to say, man, that can, um, you can really work with a mortgage um, even if the interest rates are higher. Yeah, You know, with that about 25% of homes so- sold, above list price in twenty twenty two um compared with the forty-four percent of homes during the, the the frenzy of last year in December of twenty twenty one. So you know they're still selling above you yeah. know the marked price, but it is decreasing from what it was. And this is according to Zillow. Sellers can take heart that more homes are going for above asking than this time even in 2018 and 2019. So we're still above what we saw you know five years ago. Uh, But it has decreased from that, again, that frenzy back in the end of 2021. Uh, It's not the same type of seller's market um, that it was in 2020 and 2021, where you could almost list any price for a house and sell it. And actually, I mean, you could list a price and there'd be eight or nine offers above that price, which was just crazy. Yeah, Uh, And that was not that long ago. Another reason to be more measured with asking prices is that more homes are going on the market. Uh, there were close to a million homes for sale or under contract across the country by the end of January, up 2.1% from December and up um, over 15% from January of the prior year. So there, there is a larger supply that is now going on. And we know that as supply increases, if demand does not also increase at the same rate, then typically the price of those goods will come down. And same with houses.
1: Yeah, and so obviously we're moving into, you know, peak real estate season in the spring, at least I believe that's true. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there are steps sellers can take to improve their chances this spring. In addition uh, to the standard advice to, while we want to clean, declutter, and make, you know, certain repairs to the home, when it comes to the price, there's a far uh, bit of uh, homework to do. Um, And here's what we're gonna kind of talk through today is, you know, what what you can do. Um, So let's talk through this. Uh, All asking prices are local. Okay, so the key factor in home prices is location. Um, In January, most of the 150 metro areas, realtor.com tracks had yearly price increases, while 22 had declines. Um, And prices were flat in seven different areas. Um, Sellers are faring best in the middle and lower price slices of the housing market, according to Rob Barber, um, a chief executive real estate analytics uh, firm. This is called Atom Data Solutions. So, and I've heard that from other realtors that I know here mm-hmm. locally. Um, in areas with homes priced below three hundred and fifty thousand, um, you know, prices declined one percent to six percent during the second half of last year. And for areas with median prices above four hundred thousand, prices dropped four percent to ten percent, uh, according to this research.
0: Yeah, and so that's really just saying, you know, <clears throat> prices are coming down, which is okay. If you're selling, you can still get a good price. It's still above what it was 5 years ago. So, home prices still have appreciated, which is good for the economy. Um but they have decreased some. Um as far as the the prices though, buyers as you might expect place an even higher premium on homes nearby amenities, such as quick access to public transportation, public spaces, retail stores, Etc. And so, you know, making sure you highlight this when you list is important. Ryan, like for for you, for example, you're near the river, right? That's an incredible amenity that a lot of people discount in Augusta. That you're right near a body of water. There's levees. There's canals. There's a greenway in North Augusta. Trails. Trails. I mean, there's a lot to do where you are. You're also near downtown. So there's a lot of restaurants. A lot of stores. Uh, It's very walkable, like you said. So, you know, if you're looking to sell, making sure you highlight some of those amenities is important. Um, Making sure you check the comps and understand what buyer's value is important. If you work with a good real estate agent, they can help you with this. Um, And if you don't, if you're familiar with, you know, what other um, home prices are selling for, it can give you an advantage to say, hey, this home is a newer home and it was sold for this. And... Um, you know, maybe ours is a little older. It's not quite as updated. So yeah, this is a reasonable price to have it for. And you can also have confidence if someone way undershoots your offer, you can say, hey, actually, I know that this is a fair price and I'm not willing to go below this price. Or you might say, yeah, that's that's pretty reasonable. So making sure you understand the comps is very important. Um, yeah. And, and again, you know, real estate agents, I know if, if you call Dave Ramsey up, he would, he would really encourage real estates. He would he would say, and we would typically echo that um, it can be very helpful um, to know the price of the sale of the house and also buying a house. Unless you know the person that is selling you the house or you have some connection, it can be valuable um, to, to use a professional in that.
1: Yeah, the big thing this article talks about is hey, don't assume you can price your house at a premium because of improvements. That's a big sometimes misconception, mm. even just in throughout all the years of real estate, you know. Um, so here's a person who recently went on a list uh, to a listing appointment with a seller who remodeled their home with dark colored materials, including wood and stone. So the seller, uh, who was from the Northeast, thought the Florida property was worth more than comparable homes. The only problem: a lot of Florida buyers prefer a light and bright home. And uh, you know, this buyer, you know, there was a darker home, and after you know. So darker homes typically sit on the market longer than ones with a coastal look uh, that sell for two hundred thousand to three hundred thousand more. So you got to know your area and don't think, well, I put all these expensive materials sure. in here. Well, people aren't looking necessarily for, you know, that kind of like Chicago dark, you know, sure. dark wood kitchen. Sure. They're looking for light, bright. Hey, we're at the beach. We want some sun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, the other thing you want to look at is, um, and this is important, is when overpricing backfires. You got to be very careful about this. Mm. So setting a high price for your home and waiting for buyers to negotiate is a mistake um, some sellers are making now. Um, and I've seen that when we were looking for homes, especially those with waterfront properties. Um, and so starting, starting high and waiting for an offer, an offer often doesn't work today as buyers are often frustrated with their post-pandemic home search and working with smaller budgets They typically don't want to spend time trying to gauge how negotiable the seller is. Um, So it is important to price the home correctly um, when it first lists. As long as as the longer a home stays on the market, the steeper the price cuts typically become, um, according to a lot of real estate agents. You know, of all the homes sold within 30 days so far in 2023, the average discount was 7%. Mm. This is according to a chief economist um, at NAR. Um, homes on the market over 120 days with a 16% off list price. So a lot of the homes we were looking at just were very expensive and just right. didn't make sense per square foot. And it's not even, it didn't even feel like we would even, we didn't even ch- try.
0: Yeah, you weren't even in the same ballpark. So it's like, why yeah. do I even want to throw my offer out there if it's just such. And so a drastically, them, a different. lot of
1: those are still in the market, and a lot of them are starting to really cut some prices, and that they might have hurt themselves.
0: Yeah, that's right. And so you you know the 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 key takeaway is it might be uh, it might pay to wait, regardless of location. Sellers might want to wait until later in the selling season to list. Uh, really, just determining you know maybe not so much on making a large profit on the sale of a house, but hey, what is what is reasonable, right? We're getting back to the logical real estate market and not this frenzied. Oh my gosh, I have to have this home that's you know fifty percent overpriced and I'll you know there's cash offers coming in from out of state you know we still have some of that, but getting back to the normal you know real estate market that we've seen historically is is likely where we're going to go things revert to their means yes. right so when things are outside of their means it can last for some time, but we also have to remember things generally revert to their means
1: and you know matthew we you know we we wanted a home a year ago but I kind of talk through like this is the biggest purchase most people all make. I mean, yeah, I would say most yeah. people make, and I don't want to make a decision in five minutes on that. Mm. And if you're going to tell me I have to make an offer right away and, and move quickly, which is what it was, it was, and you're going to make big mistakes because mm. you're letting emotions take over. You start, what's another hundred k? What? Well, forget about that need that thing needing to be repaired. And there's been a lot of articles recently talking about people were waiving inspections mm. during all this, and I read an article on it. How many people just have come to regret that? Wow. And so typically my motto in life is if a decision needs to be made right now, the answer is no. Mm. So it's a lot of wisdom in that. Yeah, and I got that from my dad, so I'm not you know <laughs> claiming that. Um, sure. Because yeah, it. So people just need to sometimes calm down, take a breath. Maybe we wait a year. It's okay. We've rented this long. I know it can be hard. Um, And then just, yeah, waiting.
0: Mm, That's good. Yeah, great article. If you have any questions on that, please reach out to us um, about that. All right, now uh, we're going to move on to the question of the week. If you ever have questions, please reach out to us. We will um, try to talk about it on the show. These are real client questions that we get. And some of them are are doozies. So I'm going to read it and then actually pawn this one off on Ryan to let him answer, uh, see if he can. This one's uh, from a client recently. I uh, said, "I don't have a work plan, but my wife does. Should we save for my retirement through her plan by increasing her contributions to each paycheck, or should I open up an IRA for myself? Do you have any thoughts?"
1: Well, there is a couple things you got to look at, um, and a couple directions you can go with this. But I'd say, hey, one, you want to make sure you are in the income limit, right? So there is, you know, for twenty twenty three, you know, once you have income over joint uh, when you are married over two hundred and eighteen thousand to two hundred twenty eight, you know, that limits your being able to contribute to an IRA or Roth IRA mm. specifically okay. so you want to look at that first um, obviously with four1ks and things like that there is no income limit and you know you can do up to twenty two thousand five hundred if you're under fifty mm-hmm. um, it's a tough one Matthew I think like I like IRAs I like the flexibility of them yep. I like that you can choose all different types of funds um, it would be in your name too so I typically like to diversify in that way, that you can have another account with you know, maybe broader diversification than what the 401k offers, it's also in your name. But you can also go back into the spouse's 401k if that's your only option. Um, what do you think?
0: It's a good question. I mean, it, it, as we would always say, it, it, it varies, right? I mean, yeah. it just depends on the situation. If you make, let's just make up a number, 300,000, yeah, okay, you can't contribute to a Roth, nor can you contribute to a traditional IRA. So IRAs are out of the question we would probably say either go back to your spouse's plan or to do a brokerage account. Yeah. Now, if you know, you're know you under that, then like you're saying, an IRA, that's a good account. It gives you a lot of flexibility, like you're saying. It's in your name. It's outside your employer. And it's a good option. So it varies, but... Um, you also, yeah. Is
1: the 401k a
0: good 401k? You got to what funds...
1: Are, I see so many now that have like four funds and then all lifecycle funds yeah. and... The customer service is bad, and and it's hard to get access to and to make changes. So you want to understand, hey, is this a good plan? Um, Does it have a lot of good fund options? Um, Can I be broadly diversified in it? And Does it have a Roth option? Does it have after tax? There's a lot of things you want to look at, and that's why you want to sit down and look over everything before you make that decision.
0: Yeah, great, great question, great answer, Ryan. Thanks for that. All right, we're going to go into our last article here, and this is talking about HSAs. And so, provocative article it says our HSAs the new IRAs, and this is from Schwab. It's really good, um, and we've got some good information to share. Um, These triple tax advantage accounts could help pay for health care and retirement. FSAs, flexible savings accounts, and HSAs, health savings accounts. They do both allow you to set aside pre tax funds to pay out-of-pocket qualified medical expenses, including coinsurance and deductibles, uh, dental and vision prescriptions, and many other health-related items. However, only HSA funds can be used in retirement, among other differences. And so here are some ways to compare those two types of accounts and to take advantage of the HSA benefits.
1: Uh, Let me say this before we start. How many emails have you written where it auto Oh my has. goodness gracious. Is, if anyone knows how to fix that out there with Microsoft <laughs> Word or Outlook That it is it's crazy. Every time. Every has. time. And you
0: yet, have to space and then backspace and then do it again. It's like, no, I want to type HSA. <laughs> so it just does not like over it. Over and over and that's over. That's one pet over. peeve of our job, ladies yes, and gentlemen, seriously. is is the HSA to yeah. has. So if you ever see that in our email, that's,
1: we apologize. It just autocorrects. The me. struggle
0: is real. All right.
1: So an HSA is a tax advantage account available for those who qualify for high deductible health plans. So obviously that's very important to know because you got to have that first. Mm-hmm. In 2022, that's plan. That's a plan with a deductible of at least 1,400 for an individual and 2,800 for a family. Uh, one of the benefits of a high deductible plan um, is that the monthly premiums are comparatively low. You would think that, but then you see mine. <laughs> uh, for a young person with few medical expenses, that can be pretty good deal. Uh, right there. So you got to have that first. um, And obviously you're saving on your premium helps you kind of encourage you to save in the HSA.
0: Yeah, that's right. And so there are three tax advantages. Uh, The first one is contributions to this HSA account are tax deductible, uh, which is uh, really good. It's just like a traditional IRA, right? Tax deductible. Second, both contributions and earnings grow tax-free, which is not like an IRA, right? Um, excuse me, it is like an IRA. It's, it's tax deferred growth. All right. So it's, it's like an I, IRA when you put it in, like an IRA as it grows. This third one is where it gets uh, very positive from a tax standpoint. Any withdrawals that are for qualified medical expenses are also tax-free, meaning you put money in, reduces your income today, tax yep. break, grows tax-free, pull it out, no taxes. And so that is only for qualified medical expenses. If you use it for non-qualified medical expenses like a car, then if you're under 65, you pay taxes and a 20% penalty. Pretty steep. If you're over 65 and it's non-qualified medical expenses, then it would be just the taxes. The penalty goes away. Yeah, and so if you take money out for something other than qualified medical expenses, uh, it is a different story. Again, you know, we we would want to advise you use an HSA only for medical expenses and if you Uh, If you need to use it for something else, then you would have to pay taxes and penalties. But, you know, it is very similar to an IRA, except it is withdrawn tax-free.
1: Yeah, and it goes back to once you turn 65, though, you can treat it. That's which is Medicare age, you can use it, like an IRA. That's right, that's right. Just taxes, taxes.
0: Yep, no penalty at that point, Um, that's right.
1: But you just want to make sure you understand that rule so we're not surprised. Another thing to look at is it rolls over year after year. So this is pretty important. A particular positive feature of the HSA is that if you don't use it, you don't lose it. Like the FSAs, which I really don't like. That about FSAs? Yeah. I just don't understand it, but it is what it is. Um, An FSA, on the other hand, like I just said, is owned by your employer, and you lose the account and forfeit any unspent money when you leave it when you leave your job. Mm. Uh, FSA funds often don't roll over to the new year either, with the exception of either a short grace period or a smaller carryover yeah. amount. Um, otherwise, any balance at the end of the plan year is returned to your employer. You so just pay them. Yeah, you're just giving <laughs> the money back. So there's no, you know, no pressure to spend for the sake of spending in an HSA, which is really nice. Um, if you don't need to use it, just let that money grow tax-free. Plus, the HSA is portable. You can change. If you change employers, you can take it with you, unlike an FSA. Mm. And with the FSA, you know, I have clients that have that. You just got to plan it out. You know, just plan out. Yeah. Some people use it for daycare mm. and child care. Just make sure you have it planned out that you can cover those things um, just so you don't feel pressured into the year to go spend.
0: Yeah, that's good. Uh, Another advantage is unlike uh, deductible IRAs and Roths that we just talked about, there is no income limit within HSA. This means that higher wage earners can take 100% advantage of this tax deductible account, unlike other IRAs that they may not qualify. Uh, in, In this way, an HSA, again, can be... An additional way to save for retirement. We often see that retirees spend a lot of their money on medical, right? There's a there's a period of time where you can spend it on travel and clothes and cars and all that stuff. But at some point, it's spent mostly on medical. So if we can, again, put money into this HSA, it can be very good long-term.
1: Yeah. And you can put this to work for you. Uh, You know, for your future, the HSA isn't just a savings account. It can be also an investment account. So if you're fortunate enough not to need the money to cover ongoing medical costs, you may be able to invest the balance in mutual funds, ETFs, uh, stocks or fixed income. You know, so mine's with Fidelity and I invest the funds, um, Mm. you know, in it. And I do use some of it for medical expenses, though. You know, so you can keep a portion in cash. Typically, you know, when we when we do planning for clients, we kind of help them decide how much to keep in cash based off their average medical you know expenses especially when you have kids and then then from there we help them kind of decide how much to invest um so you just want to take advantage of that it, you know letting it grow so it can cover a lot cuz yeah, a lot of your medical expenses get very expensive when we get older what's the average like 250,000 for retired
0: and yeah, retirees yep
1: so yeah put it to work now let it grow so you can help cover those ex- you know the expenses in retirement
0: yeah that's right um of course all these benefits only work if you actually fund your HSA which is an obvious statement but uh, it's, it's important. For 2023, the annual contribution limit is $3,850 thir- uh, $3, for an individual or 7750 for a family. And so that's a max you can put into an HSA. Um, plus there's a $1,000 catch up if you're 55 or over. Um, since your employer offers an HSA as a benefit, if they offer that, uh, you may be able to have your contributions automatically deducted from your paycheck and possibly your employer might even add contributions. Just make sure that the total contributions don't exceed those limits that we just uh, talked about.
1: Yeah, and there's, there's a couple ways to fund it. You know, we, we're always big fans of automatic monthly contributions here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like with your IRAs, just make it a part of your budget, you know, just so, you know, you don't have you know a huge amount that you have to put in at the end of the year or something like that. And, and just want to make sure we understand clearly, we have till December 31st to fund it or do you have till April 18th like IRAs?
0: <clears throat> yeah, that's a good question. So HSAs are going to be like IRAs like like you're saying and it's going to be until the tax filing of the of the following year. So if you had, you know, high deductible plan last year and you wanted to fund your HSA for last year, you could do that up until I think April 18th of this year is, is tax filing due date. Um, so yeah, it's going to be, honestly be very similar to an IRA. Like you're saying, but
1: yeah, obviously you have to have the high deductible plan in that tax Correct. year. Exactly, you can't exactly. have it 2023 and then start doing because it has to be for 2023. Correct. But also, you want to make sure you don't file your taxes if you're going to consider doing it because you're trying to deduct your taxes with it. So just be mindful of that as well. But yeah, setting up automatic, you know, contributions is going to be huge for it. Good idea.
0: Yeah, that's right. And so, just in summary, you know, the HSAs are are great accounts. Um, typically, never. Uh, don't recommend. We we typically always recommend HSAs if someone's able to save for them. Um, again, tax wise, it, it makes sense. Medical wise, I mean, we're always going to have medical expenses because yeah. because this is a fallen world, right? We, we're not. Yeah. This is not perfect. You know, we have bodies that ache. Uh, we have kids that get sick. We have broken bones. We have surgeries. Right? We we're going to use medical expenses. So HSAs. Are a great account that we would recommend for most people. If you do have questions, if that makes sense for your specific situation, please reach out to us. We'd be happy to talk through that some more and give you some some thoughts on that. You have one as well. You know, actually, so I just to to let you in, I had Medishare for the last three years, uh, maybe maybe three and a half years. And this year, 2023, is the first time that I have a high deductible plan. So MetaShare, you cannot yeah, do an right. HSA with MetaShare because it's not a high deductible health insurance plan. Um, so this is the first year that I have a high deductible plan and this is the first year that I have an HSA. So yes, okay. to answer your question, um, get into experience that is good and um, yeah, I've been enjoying it so far. Mine's at Fidelity as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a great. It's it's great Great, a, great account. Have, so um, Yeah,
1: great topic there.
0: Yeah, and, and that leads us to this last portion of our show. It's already at an end, um, and this is the prescription of the week.
1: Well, just like this show coming to an end, uh, quarter one is coming to an end You know, this month, so we're in March. Um, so you know, one thing we tell people is, hey, now that we're through this first quarter, it's time to kind of review your budget for 2023. Maybe you, at the beginning of the year made a big budget, you really want to make some changes, well, it's a good time to sit down together maybe with your spouse and say, hey, is it working? You know, you had a couple months to see how well it's doing. So yeah, looking at, hey, what's working, what's not, mm. and then making adjustments so it doesn't stress you out and mm. also so you actually follow it. Um, yeah. So yeah, main thing is, hey, do we need to make adjustments or is it working? And that's great.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, and just getting on the same page too is just a big takeaway that we'd encourage clients yeah, to, lot, to, to, to
1: do. And a lot of the things we see with, Budgets is people typically are a little too um, what's the word I'm looking for? Too gung ho at the beginning of the year, mm. and, and it's just too it's too you know stressful. It's yeah. too tight, and then therefore, you don't enjoy your life, and so you gotta have a proper balance. Yes, you need to save. Yes, you gotta set the foundations. You gotta have the emergency fund. You gotta save for retirement, but you also gotta live your life because you don't know what next year will be for you. And just being too tight can just cause a strain on your family. You got to be responsible. You know, we're never going to encourage debt, but you do want to live your life. You need to go to dinner, have a date night with your wife, with your spouse. You need to enjoy your kids. Um, You got to enjoy your home. Um, So just making sure you budget that well. While also setting up those foundations like the emergency fund and retirement, I think it's
0: crucial. Yeah, that's good. And just to echo that, like we believe as a firm that money does not define you. So Absolutely. being successful financially is never the necessarily the goal. Money is a tool that we use to um, buy and purchase and save for what we value. It shows what we value. So again, like like you're saying, man, that's a great point. Um, that yes, we want to be wise, but we want to really remember that this is not. Our identity. It's not our greatest marker yes. as humans. So excellent point. Yeah. With that to, to close the show. And this has been this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week on moneymd.net to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check out our website, moneymd.net, and send us your questions or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening and have a great rest of your week. For general information only and should not be taken as specific investment tax or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. All hosts are representatives of Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.